Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Concierge Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. Let's jump right in. I'll do what I did last week by going through the week three rankings and giving my thoughts at each position. At quarterback, Patrick Mahomes obviously should be in all lineups. That's not really up for debate, despite not being at his best through two weeks. But Sunday feels like it'll be a monster performance, taking on a Chicago defense that has struggled and a franchise that everyone knows passed on him back in 2017. I think at some point, Marquez Valdez-Scantling will get behind the defense. It was encouraging to see Kadarius Toney involved in looking very slippery last week after the performance in the opener. Sky Moore was able to get loose a couple of times, including a touchdown, and of course having Travis Kelsey back in the lineup. So we have Mahomes as our overall QB2 this week, and he's someone that's probably worth paying up for in DFS play. Moving down a bit, Jared Goff at number 7, taking on the Falcons, with David Montgomery looking likely to miss a game or two. Detroit should be more reliant on Goff in the passing attack. I know the Lions have some injuries right now, but Goff has played excellent football, so I like him at home to be a strong QB1 with on-point accuracy to all levels of the field. Then a couple of guys to be down on. First, Joe Burrow taking on the Rams on Monday night. Burrow just hasn't looked like himself through two games as he deals with the calf injury. It sounds like there's a chance he might even sit in the Super Bowl rematch. But if he plays, he's more of a high-to-mid QB2 rather than a QB1 option. It's easy to imagine Aaron Donald getting a push on the interior that makes Burrow uncomfortable and lead to a long night, despite Jamar Chase's desire to have the offense push the ball down the field more. So it might be tough to bench Burrow at this point, but there are probably some options that might be available, such as the aforementioned golf, or maybe Daniel Jones on Thursday night, despite facing the Niners, should be asked to do more, including as a runner with Saquon Barkley out. And I'd also be lower on Jordan Love, despite his very encouraging play through two games. In his first year as a starter, Love has six touchdowns and zero interceptions. But the touchdowns are probably keeping him afloat more than the general numbers would indicate. He's throwing for fewer than 200 yards per game. And now we'll take on a New Orleans defense that has been very opportunistic. So we view Love as more of a low-end QB2 this week. And there are probably better options to consider in non-superflex formats. Now for the running backs. Unfortunately, the big storyline of Week 2 was Nick Chubb going down with a gruesome knee injury that will end a season. Obviously, you have to feel for Chubb, who is not only one of the game's best running backs and players, but also the ultimate high-character superstar that was dedicating his season to Jim Brown following the legendary running back's passing. I assume most people listening already know it, but losing Chubb for your fantasy season is nothing to what he'll be going through, and we can only hope that he's able to make a full recovery and be back on the field in 2024. So looking ahead from a fantasy perspective for this year, in redraft leagues, we have Jerome Ford as our RB27 for this week. He played very well on Monday night when Chubb left the game, but Tennessee has a fierce strong defense, and he's definitely a top waiver claim, Ford that is, but it's easy to picture Kareem Hunt eventually returning to Cleveland, which would obviously be a drain on the second-year back's value. Another second-year back that we are very high on for the rest of the year is Kyron Williams. We have him as our RB12 for this week, and he's someone we loved coming out of Notre Dame. He doesn't have quite the breakaway speed, but we compared him to Austin Eckler, 
with great contact balance, quickness, and very underrated toughness, which might actually be the biggest concern with him is how physical he runs at his size, perhaps leading to an injury down the line. But Williams is a top-shelf pass protector and very good as a pass catcher. So if he's not viewed as a top 15 to 20 option in your league, we'd highly recommend trying to trade for him. And you can slot him in as your RB2 for hopefully the rest of the season. Again, for this week, we have him as RB12 ahead of guys such as Najee Harris, Aaron Jones, who is perhaps playing at less than 100%, but has a difficult matchup versus the Saints, and Brees Hall, who also gets a tough matchup versus the Patriots with Bill Belichick's defense, probably prioritizing stopping the run, unlike last week when they just didn't want to get beat deep. For the Chicago backfield, I want to talk about them real quick because it's been a surprise to see, and I'm saying this having really liked Rashawn Johnson coming out of Texas, but it's surprising how quick it seems a lot of people on X, formerly known as Twitter, have wanted to push aside Khalil Herbert as a lead back. But I think Herbert, who averaged 5.7 yards per carry in 2022, has looked pretty good. And ideally, the Bears will run the ball enough that both guys can have value, especially with Deontay Foreman being a healthy scratch in Week 2. So with most looking to Roshan Johnson as the long-term play for the Bears, I think it's a good buy-low window to get Herbert as hopefully a solid flex option. And you would think they would try to run the ball this week against the Chiefs especially on the road, to not put too much on Justin Field's shoulders. For the Eagles' backfield, we have DeAndre Swift as the RB25 and Kenneth Gainwell as the RB45 for this week. The performance by Swift last Thursday night probably locks him into the lead role, but he doesn't rank higher than this because the Bucks have a very fast and aggressive defense that's usually stout versus the run. So it's just stated for Herbert. I'd say this is a small by-low window for Kenneth Gainwell with the hopes that after being laid back in the opener, he remains a threat for double-digit touches for a high-powered offense. And for the situations in New Orleans, who will get Alvin Kamara back after this week, but might be without Jamal Williams with a hamstring injury, and New York with the Giants being without Saquon Barkley for two or three games, I would say you don't need to rush to claim anyone. Matt Breida is the top play of that group, assuming it's him, Eric Gray, and Gary Brightwell for the Giants, and Tony Jones Jr., and Condre Miller for the Saints. New York will get the tougher draw versus the 49ers. So we have Breida as our RB37, and he could be held to a handful of points versus his former team if he's unable to find the end zone. And the Saints get a little easier matchup versus the Packers, but I could see Taysom Hill getting quite a bit of work after he's probably the most efficient part of the offense on Monday night. So I'd say just because there are touches available, it doesn't mean you need to invest in a backfield, particularly from a shorter-term perspective, with again Kamara coming back and Saquon Barkley avoiding a more serious injury. For the wideouts, A.J. Brown, I would expect to have a monster game on Monday night. His frustration was evident in last week's primetime game, but Jalen Hurts immediately went to him and easily could have had a touchdown if not for a uncalled pass interference against Minnesota. And Tampa Bay can't really double-team Brown because of all the other weapons for Philadelphia, including an emerging superstar in Devontae Smith. So we have Brown as a wide receiver two for week three. 
and it might be worth at least checking in to see if a frustrated owner might be willing to move him. At number 11, we have Mike Williams taking on the Vikings, just one spot ahead of Keaton Allen at wide receiver 12. Basically, the coverage that the Vikings played last week against the Eagles seems to set up favorably for Williams this week. He can eat up cushion coverage if that's how they play him. And the depth of targets for Williams, which is, I think, like half of Keaton Allen's, should eventually flip. If not, the Chargers are crazy. But it's been nice to see Williams have a high floor at least, and I would assume a 20 to 30 point fantasy performance should come soon. Another option in the top 15 for this week, rookie Puka Nakua. What he's done through two games has been historic, including 15 grabs last week to set a rookie record. So he'll probably eventually fall off, but perhaps not much based on how good he's looked when Cooper Cup returns. But until then, Nakua is at least a high-end wide receiver too, with a case to be ranked in the top 10. A lot of the credit should go to Sean McVay for how he schemes guys open. But Nakua has shown great balance in route running, along with toughness after the catch. And there's still some uncertainty about Cup's status with the hamstring issue. So Nakua doesn't seem like an option you should be trying to sell high. A couple of more names in the top 20 that I love this week. George Pickens taking on the Raiders on Sunday night. He certainly passed the test as the clear number one wideout last week with over 100 yards and a score against Cleveland. And Kenny Pickett should continue to lean on him as the top option with Deontay Johnson out. And Chris Godwin at wide receiver 19, taking on the Eagles, who just lost slot cornerback Avante Maddox for the season. Mike Evans has led the way for Tampa Bay's offense, but he'll get the tougher draw versus Darius Slay and James Bradbury. So Godwin should be able to have a big night catching passes from a competent Baker Mayfield. Then a couple of desperation options, which is a situation I find myself in in my league. I really like Michael Gallup, who's almost fallen off the radar, taking on the Cardinals. There seems to be some deep plays available versus Arizona. And Gallup, with only a couple of targets in each of his first two games, seems to have big spike weeks with Dak Prescott feeling that he's been too uninvolved. So with Brandon Cooks dealing with a knee injury, potentially holding him out again versus the Cardinals, we have Gallup as our wide receiver 31 with high upside that might be severely undervalued in both redraft leagues and DFS play for this week. And then Allen Robinson sort of in a similar position with Deontay Johnson dealing with a hamstring issue for the Steelers. Robinson was involved early on Monday night, ended up only having a couple of grabs, but I think Pittsburgh will throw a bit more this week. Remember, they had a couple of defensive touchdowns carry them to beat the Browns. So Robinson should be considered as a flex option against the Las Vegas defense that struggled in week two versus Josh Allen and the Bills. And to finish off with the tight ends, I mentioned Taysom Hill. He's listed as a tight end on ESPN. And I assume most sites, despite being listed as a quarterback for the Saints, but he should be a borderline top 12 option versus a Green Bay defense that can struggle to contain the ground game. And ahead of him, I like David Njoku versus Tennessee. The pass catchers for the Browns will need to be leaned on more with Chubb's season-ending injury. And I have a good feeling about Njoku this week against the Titans. And then a few spots above him, Kyle Pitts, I'm going to stick with in the top five, taking on Detroit. They've allowed the third most fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. And there were, again, some plays to be made for Pitts 
where he simply wasn't targeted or was targeted a bit late. So hopefully the chemistry builds and looking way ahead, I could see Pitts being someone that takes off in the fantasy playoffs based on the talent finally being utilized at some point. So I'd stick with him based on the matchup and hope that a big game allows him to be featured every week. But if you're unwilling to be patient, which is definitely understandable, Hunter Henry has the makings of a top 12 option the rest of the year. He's got a touchdown in both games so far. And New England loves playing through the tight ends under Bill O'Brien. Also, we're still hopeful about a breakout for Jawan Johnson. He was quiet against the Panthers last week, but the talent is there. And Zach Ertz has quietly been a big part of the Arizona offense with 12 receptions through two weeks. So if you want a higher floor option, then Ertz is someone that can be picked up and used this week against the Cowboys. So that will conclude this episode. As always, thank you for listening. You can find our full content, rankings, and analysis on wolfsports.com. And if you're a Fantasy Concierge member, we'd be happy to answer any questions you might have. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin. This was the Fantasy Concierge Podcast.